tells us this morning a verse that I really like because maybe on its surface it's a little bit confusing, but when we understand the verse, uh, it has a really nice meaning and it's a good chance to contemplate. Uh, the verse that I wanted to spend a little bit of time on is when our Lord Jesus Christ said that the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light, but when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. One of the things right away from listening to this verse, when it says your eye is good, there's another way or another way that it could be translated in that your eye is singular. So it only has it's only looking at one thing. So it's not necessarily just just good, but also singularly focused. Saint Athanasius actually explains that when the eye is evil and the body is dark, we shouldn't look to blame God because everything that God made is good. The place to look, if our eye is bad, is our own corrupt morals, the bad intentions of the person to whom that eye belongs. He goes on to explain actually as well that Christ is obviously not referring to our physical eyes. But he's talking about evil thoughts of an unenlightened heart. So in this parable, our Lord Jesus Christ himself is the light. 
And some people, they saw the brightness of the light and they're amazed by it. That's why in the beginning of the passage, we see a woman in the crowd, she's just raising her voice and saying, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. She sees evidently, clearly, the light which came into the world. And so she exclaims like out of joy and out of happiness uh, about seeing this light. The people who were more malicious did not see this light, but actually even dared to say that the miracles that he did and the, and the things that our Lord Jesus Christ, the good works that he did, were done by the power and the authority of the devil. And then other people didn't see maybe enough light, or at least not enough light for them, so they demanded a sign from heaven. And our Lord Jesus Christ told them that there's not going to be any sign from heaven except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He's speaking about, he's prophesying about his resurrection. Our Lord's constant answer anytime He was asked about like proof was to keep and to continue being the light of the world. He was meant to be observed. right? He says that in verse 33, No one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place or under a basket on a lampstand and those who come in may see light. So our Lord Jesus Christ's desire is for everyone to see Him, to see His light. But if I do not see Him or I do not see His work in my life, it's not because he's hidden himself in darkness, but because our eyes are blinded. So how does or how do we allow light to enter? He says the light of the body is the, the lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, if your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. And then another question, important question, how can I uh, distort or pervert this light? Right? Because it says <clears throat> when your eye is evil. Or when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. So first, how do we allow the light to enter into our souls? The the in, we in the body, the light enters through the eye, and you know without a without an eye, even if you were looking right at the sun, or you had the strongest lamp possible ever made, ever invented, you, you you're not going to see anything. So it's important when we think about look. The meditation of the eye of the inner man. Christ is the light of the world. But that His light cannot enter our souls if our eye, our thoughts, our, our soul itself, our heart are bad. The condition of the eye of the mind is the most important thing. Our light or our darkness is going to depend on that. The eye of the soul, you can view that or can understand that to mean my, my understanding, my conscience, my motive, my worldview, the aim of my heart. When a person does not want to see, he can't see. When he is determined not to learn, then the truth is going to be not beneficial to him. When he or she by design twists the truth from its meaning, then the eye is diseased and the light is hindered from having its desired effect. And there are many, many things in our lives that can darken the eye of our souls. One of the most common ones is a lack of willingness to yield. A person thinks they have the light already. Their father, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, all their previous generations were brought up a certain way, and therefore that way has to be right. Whether my eye is damaged or not, I'm not going to bother to find out. I'm quite sure that my eye is fine, and I don't need to look for any other evidence. And then when the light of God comes to this person, at once this person repels it. 
I don't want to be disturbed. I don't want to hear. I don't want to read. I don't want to consider something else. I'm satisfied to let things be as they are. The very thought that I might be wrong is an insult. It has to be something that is invented by someone who's malicious, who's out to get me. It can't be that I'm wrong. It must be that someone has some sort of malicious intent. That's why they're trying to correct me or trying to change me. And unfortunately, many of us are guilty of this at times. St. James says to us, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. The first thing that I have to be willing to admit when I begin to examine what controls, what dominates my life, is that I am responsible for having yielded myself to whatever it is. So if I'm a slave to myself, to the things that I want, I'm to blame because somewhere in the past I yielded to this. I yielded to myself. I yielded to my own desires. Likewise, what we're looking for, if I obey God, I do so because at some point in my life, I yielded myself to Him. Right? So when, I, when you think about yielding, to something, you, you realize what is the tremendous control it has over you, right? So if you think about something like an addiction or a habit, I can say, I can give up this habit whenever I like. And when I know, I really can't. I'll find that the habit absolutely dominates me because I willingly yielded myself to it. There are many other things that sort of blind or pervert uh, our eyes. Something like sloth or laziness. It shuts out, really, the, the, the light. It's too much trouble for us sometimes to think, to search the scriptures, to pray. I don't have the patience or the, or the energy or the time for the process of growth. You know, I have, I have bigger fish to fry. I want to go, I have things to do at work, I have things to do at home. Let other people fight about different beliefs or different ideas, or different creeds, or different ways of life, it doesn't really matter. So then those people are in darkness. Because too much trouble to open, sort of the blinds, and to see. And sometimes we, we are in this darkness, and we prefer the darkness to, to the light. Another thing that darkens the eye more than, maybe more than anything else, is the love of sin. Nine times out of ten, allowed sin is sort of like the cataract which darkens my spiritual eye. I can't see the truth because I love what is false. I don't see the gospel because it's too pure for the loose life that I'm living and the, the bad thoughts that I'm entertaining. Christ's holy example is too severe for me when I'm worldly. His spirit is too pure for people who love carnal pleasure or are only seeking after carnal pleasure. When people reject doctrines of the gospel, they're also tolerating sort of like decaying morals, and they give like preeminence or predominance to the ways of the world. How can we see, how can we have good eyes when sin has really injured the, the eye of the mind or the eye of the heart? The love of worldly honor, for example, prevented the Pharisees from believing in Christ. The love of worldly honor prevented the Pharisees from believing in Christ. Sin, sort of like, if you think of sin like a handful of mud, sealing up that, that eye, 
And then you, can, you, don't, you don't wonder why someone becomes an atheist or someone becomes agnostic or a doubter. Because to have a clear eye, you have to have a clean heart. The pure in heart shall see God. So the people who are pure in heart, they see God's truth. And they appreciate it and they delight in it. That's why the Pharisees couldn't. They had other motives. My motive is not seeking the pleasure of God. My motive is worldly honor. And so because of that, I can't see, even if it's right in front of me, I can't see. Something related to that is pride. Pride is also something that can really darken uh, the eye of our souls. When a person sort of admires themselves and doesn't spend time in adoration of God, when he's taken up with his own righteousness so that he can't contemplate on the righteousness of God. If I believe myself to be pure, then I'm never going to appreciate the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ who actually cleanses me from sin. If I think myself already perfect, I'm not going to value the Holy Spirit who sanctifies me. You know, when I say that, that if I think to myself that I'm perfect, I'm sure you guys think to yourselves, well, I'm not perfect. And I know nobody is perfect. But then at the same time, whenever someone comes to you with, hey, this is something that bothers me about you. Or hey, this is something that I really would like you to see or see you change. Or this is something that you're not doing so well. All of a sudden we get defensive. All of a sudden we can't palate that. Although we would say we're not, we not perfect. But when anybody points out any imperfection in us, sometimes we're quick to defend ourselves. Self-seeking in every form is a cause of obscuring the light of our soul so that our eye is bad and could be full of darkness. The glitter or the allure of gold and money can injure our eyes. How could, for example, Judas see the light of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ, when he saw such value in 30 pieces of silver? How can a person set for himself treasure in heaven when the present fortunes that they have here on earth is enough for them? In another part, uh, in another gospel, when the same parable or a similar parable is spoken, right after it, our Lord Jesus Christ says, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. People who serve mammon, people who serve money, people who serve earthly things, that mammon repays its worshippers with blind eyes. So we are looking for this morning, asking God to give us a singular eye, devoted, an eye that's not looking at two different things. A mind that is free from sinister motives, from anything that would cause me to sort of choose falsehood instead of truth. Choose what is wrong instead of choosing what's right. So we're asking God to, to give us this singular vision, to only desire the things that He wants from us. Like I said, Christ says, no one can serve two masters. St. James, when he talks about this, he, he uses the term double-minded. can have one mind that supposedly is on God, and another mind that is seeking my own self-interest, seeking my desires, seeking sin, seeking honor. The person with a good eye, the person with a singular eye, worships only God. In the Old Testament, God tells us, I am a jealous God. Uh, you can't have any other gods before me. I should think about this. What gods have I put up for myself in my life? What things do I put ahead of God? What things do I focus on or am I okay taking my eyes off of God to look at? 
because it's more important to me. You cannot serve God and mammon. Basically means if I wish to serve God, if I want to serve Him, then I can't serve anyone or anything else. So if my eyes are clouded with self-interest, a desire for worldly things, wealth, power, is not focused on God alone, then our eyes are not sound. And we're going to be full of darkness. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to be single-minded, to have a simplicity of life that will set us free. So how do I attain this enlightenment? How do I allow the light of the world to enter into my eye? By continually emptying myself of self-interest. The enlightened person, the person with a good eye, doesn't seek personal gain. They follow the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had nothing to gain for himself by coming to the world. Right? There's a fancy word in the Greek, but in English we can say or can understand it to mean self-emptying. Right? That God empties himself to become man. This self-emptying, there is no, there's nothing in, in Christ's incarnation that God is doing this for Himself, for any reason except for us. It's a completely selfless act. As long as we are de- blinded by a want or a desire for gain, the light in us is actually darkness, and we, we still don't know God, we can't see God. To serve God, to follow God, to be a disciple of Christ is to be empty like Him. To be empty of desire, empty of self-interest, empty of everything. Completely open, completely free. To be like Him is to be completely disinterested in any self-gain of any sort. To be like Him is to let go of fear and let go of desire because God doesn't desire anything and God doesn't fear anything. Only the ego desires, only pride desires, only the ego fears. So when our eyes are like this, then we can be, or we can see the light, and actually we can become sons of light. My prayer is that God gives us this singular eye, so that our whole body can be full of light, rather than full of darkness. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Blessed.